You are listening to the Independent Dealer Podcast with hosts Luke Godwin and Jeff Watson. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Independent Dealer Podcast brought to you by Buckeye Dealership Consulting. Yeah. Look at this. We got a whole new background. Holy cow, we're together. Yeah. If you're on our YouTube channel, you see that we are not sitting in our offices 2,000 miles away from each other. We are at a 20 group meeting. Yeah, the Four Seasons at uh, Dallas. Dallas. Los Colinas. Yeah, beautiful property. Super nice. Uh, Great 20 group as usual. Awesome uh, group of dealers. We really learned a lot of stuff from. Yeah, we had a great day and a half getting together with our peers and talking about all of our key performance metrics. We had some great specific training on things. We yep. And we had some really, really good lunch and dinner conversations that just, I have a full page full of notes that I'm taking home to my dealership yep. and I'm going to implement. Great stuff. It is. And, um, you know, 20, our 20 group kind of went down in members and now it's starting to head back up. So if you want in, you need to get in touch with us as soon as possible. But um, it's really interesting, the new dynamic with new dealers and how you can just learn so much when you haven't heard the same thing over and over again. Yeah, right? yeah, it's so great. New dealers, old dealers, and just the reminder of what you know you should be doing. Yeah. You know, that's what's so funny is I look at these notes that I take home and it's like, I've done these notes before <laughs> and I know all the stuff on here that I should be doing. But when you come here and you get reminded of it and you have peers verify, oh yeah, yeah, that is really important. Well, or, oh yeah, I should have been doing sure. that and I'm going to double down on it. You know, and, and um, just at lunch today, you and I were talking about, you know, some yeah. of your sales problems. I was like, well, are you, are you accounting for it? And you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know my numbers like so that. funny, so, man. Cause it's the same conversation I would have with anyone. Yeah. Well, what's your numbers? Uh, duh. Like, yeah. why, why have I not done that? I know that's the answer to my problem. And yet, for some reason, I'm, you can't see the forest through the trees. You can't hold yourself accountable. You can't hold your staff accountable if you don't have the numbers to present to yourself yeah. or to your people. And, and that's what's great about 20 Group. The numbers are there. All you have to do is look at them, dissect them, get your peers to do the same thing, which we do the whole time. Yep. Um, and, and what's funny about that is, you know, my goals for this meeting were to drop my recon to drop my policy expense. Mm -hmm. And guess what my goals are for my next 20 group? (laughs) The same dang things. So what did you take away, Luke? I know you have some specific recon knowledge and notes that you took away. Let's share with the community a couple of our takeaways from this weekend so you guys can maybe learn from some of it. Yeah, so, you know, I thought for a long time I was a recon guru, right? Yeah, time to line. Time to line. I've taught that. I know what I'm doing. Um, Well, 2021 showed us that um, the processes can break down when you lose staff, people who've been Huge. doing it for you for years. Huge. Um, and then your recon costs go up and your time to line just goes out the window. You're not expecting what's been done. Mm-hmm. It's just a nightmare. So I'm having to reinvent that process. And, and the first thing I'm going to look at is, am I over-reconning my cars? And everybody always tells me that I'm over-reconning my cars, but I want my cars to be perfect, almost like new. But do we need to paint every bumper? Do we need to mm. fix every scratch? Do we need to fix every little spot uh, that maybe a cigarette burn hit an upholstery? Do we need to do all these things? And the answer is probably no. Mm. And so if I can knock $100, $150 off of every recon, mm-hmm. that's real money in the long run. Yeah. You know, if you're selling four or 500 cars a year, that adds up quick, right? And what's that opinion, Luke? Do you do those things because you feel like you need to, to sell the car? Or do you do those things because it's personal to you? It's personal. It's taken me a long time mm-hmm. to understand that it's really pride in what I 
when I'm selling it, it it's not going to sell any more cars. Um, my customers aren't going to notice the things that I notice. So I've got to determine how can I save some money. And it's even something as different as, hey, instead of putting this type of tire on a car, yeah. is there a tire that we can put on that's $15 to $20 cheaper per tire, yeah. but still it's a brand new tire? Yeah. And the customers don't know the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and is it going to make that big a difference in ride? And if you do that over and over and over, it really... It's just wasting money. Yeah, and you could argue if you're dealing with a 2021, you know, Maserati, you want to put yeah, the right tires on. That's but right. When you're dealing with a 2011 Silverado, it doesn't matter. It probably doesn't matter as much to that customer. What they want to know is: is the car reliable, and is it going to run the note for me? That you is, know, and am I going to get to work in the morning? That is number one. You yeah. know, that's number one. And one thing that Ben brought up that that honestly, I've been thinking totally in the opposite direction of him. I don't, I don't know who's right, but Ben's got a lot of experience at this, so I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna say Ben's right here. Yeah, probably and accurate. It probably, yeah, and he's got numbers to back up what he's done. Yeah, and so it's flipping the recon process kind of on its head. Okay. So what we would normally do is let a C tech checklist every car. Yeah. And Smart, because you're like, well, he's a C tech. He he just it's just an hourly job. I I don't want. That's right. Yeah. What is it about? Check check the boxes. Yeah, but unfortunately, it appears that's not the way to do it. Mm. Is to get one of your best techs, if not your best tech, to rack everyone, and he takes one day as soon as those cars get delivered, because I typically get 10 cars at a time, mm-hmm. 8 to 10. They land. The next two days, my A tech, or however long it takes, is actually checklisting every car, mm-hmm. diagnosing those cars, mm-hmm. and then he is saying, all right, parts guy or inventory manager, this is what this car needs. Yeah. Take your part hangers mm-hmm. that are your C techs and get the job done. Mm-hmm. And so I've been doing just the opposite. Yeah. And I can tell you it's not working. Right. So I think this is something that can help. Because when you do the problem. opposite, you have a C-Tech that comes in here and says, I did an inspection. I heard a rattle. We need to replace the ball joints with no further diagnosis. Or whereas, and then the A-Tech gets in and he's like, no, stupid. It's not the ball joints. We need to look at it longer. I need an hour diag on this. Or I need a half hour to go drive this thing. Whereas had that A-Tech had just done the inspection in the first place. We wouldn't be doing double the work. Yeah, he would have been doing it the whole time and said, hey, no, we didn't have to order those ball joints. What we should have done That's was right. get you know the struts or something. Yeah. So yeah, I, I can see that if your, your, your inspection is going to be a true inspection, you would want to take it all the, you know, you'd want an accurate diagnosis. You know how much time this is going to save just from the ATEC having to leave what he's doing to go help the C-Tech diagnosed something that yeah. he was going to have to do anyway. I, I do. I believe we're wasting hours mm. every week in this, and, and hopefully this will help fix yeah. some of my problems. And to sell an A-Tech on the fact that this is the best use of their time. And you don't have to comp them. It'll pay you know, yeah. an hour or two flat, whatever your pay plan is. Um, but that this is the best thing for them, even though they might think it's below them. I think it's the best thing for the company. I think it's, mm. you can explain it that it's the best thing for the A-Tech. Um, and he's still doing all the diag, so I think it's still mm-hmm. going to be. I think it's going to be fine. It's just right. going to speed up my process. And it's easy to have that one person because then you go to that A tech and you teach him what is allowable, what is not allowable. Exactly. So he's not he's not looking for stuff to put on. He's not he's not replacing every single air filter and every cabin air filter and every wiper blade because it pays a quick flat. Yeah. Yeah, what, what you teach him those things, yeah. you know, so that way you have one guy who's accountable for not padding you know, repair orders. And, yeah. And, and you know, when we talk about recon, one thing, Buckeye, mm. you know, Buckeye's our, our sponsor yeah. here. 
one of the great things, one of the great products that I use that Buckeye does is PSI. Yeah, post-sale inspection. inspection. Okay. And so instead of giving Mannheim $150 every time I buy a car or paying DealShield $150, $175 a car, I'm, I'm reinsuring that money myself. I'm reinsuring that process. Okay. And So instead of post-sale inspection, this is post-sale insurance. That's all it is. So what do you do? So I put away $150 or so every, I think it's $150, every car we buy. Every it, car you buy. Every car we buy. You're putting $150 into your reinsurance, reinsurance company. And so when I do buy a car that is red light where the transmission is bad and I get it home and I've got to put that transmission in it, I can pull that money back out of my reinsurance company and just fix the car and move on. Mm-hmm. It's not a cost to my dealership because we have already been putting that money Reserving aside. for it. Yeah. And yeah. So, it's a great product. It's tax deductible when you reserve for it. That's right. When it comes back in. It's not an expense. It comes back in, it fixes the car. You're not up in value of the car. Okay. Well, you're up in value of the car. Yeah. It's not, you know, not real money. You know, it's yeah. Already, it's already been accounted for. So it's just a way for you to take some of that money back from Odessa, back from Cox, back from all these big players that are that are taking your money. And honestly, if you've got to do a PSI through them and try to get reimbursed, that could be a headache too, right? Yeah, it is. This they makes find the, for every reason to deny it. I know that. This makes the process easier. Get with Buckeye. They can teach you how to do it. And it's a, a great process that I would I would recommend. A great product I'd recommend for everybody yeah. out there. Innovative. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think I don't know how many other people do that, but Jason does it. Jason at Buckeye just really thinks outside the box on these things and uh, it comes up with ways for us to make money and, and it's a great product. You know that, Luke, it leads me into thinking about, I had a thought during this, and I know you, you, I threw it against the wall a little bit and you pushed it back, but <laughs> I'm starting to think that the mileage on the odometer of a car is not that important. And hear me out. <laughs> I would freak out if a car got up into the 130, 180s, right? And what I'm finding is nowadays, I'm finding 2016s, 2015s, really, really new body styles with 170,000 miles, be it Uber or DoorDash or whatever reason these cars have a ton of miles. But what it does is it makes that new body style affordable for my customers. So they can look out there and say, wow, that's a that's a new body style you know, fusion or a new body style, whatever. I want that Chrysler 200 or 300 with that new body style. I can't afford one with 50,000 miles, but if it's got a 180 or 190 uh, now it's in my ballpark right I, so I, i'm gonna go to the total opposite on this one jeff um i think mileage matters so much to collections to charge off percentages charge off rates um but it's but it's not the mileage that matters it's the durability of the car right but you're saying mechanical failure mechanical failure okay. is going to happen the higher miles you have but i would argue that the mechanical failure is still going to happen at 130. I think a lot of these cars at 130, you're doing a transmission. You're maybe replacing an engine because it seems like every make and model has got a bad engine. I think 130 is a lot different than 180. So this is the way I look at it. mm -hmm. I know our customers as buy here, pay here customers typically drive more than your normal customer. So if you look across the board, if you you just take your repos the next year Mm -hmm. and average out Mm -hmm. how many miles they're they're driving a year, I think you'll come up with about 24,000 miles a year compared to the normal 12 to 15 that most people drive. Okay. Now, some of our buy here, pay here customers will pay, drive fifty to 60,000 miles a year. Yeah. But that's an abnormal. So what I say is, if I'm financing the car for four years or three and a half or whatever it is, let's back into this. So if I'm financing for four years and they're driving 24,000 miles a year, that car needs to last for 96,000 miles. Okay. So if I'm selling a car with 100,000 miles, yeah. 
At the end of four years, it's going to have 196 okay. on it. Did it break during that time? Probably. It, of course, it's going to break at yeah. some point. But if I'm selling one with 80,000 miles, I can bring that 196 down to 176. If I'm selling with 60,000 miles, I can bring it down again, yeah. right? So by the time it gets to the end of it, it's done. It's time to go away. Now, the cars do last longer today. They it's, do last longer. Right. But, but, but my argument would be at the end of its life, it's got 190,000 miles. But guess what? Now it's also a 10-year-old car. So it's been exposed to the elements. It's been beat up. It's yeah. been, you know, you might have a lot more of like the wear and tear items that just get worn out by salt and rust and corrosion. So I would say a three or four-year-old car with 180,000 miles might go to the 250 with may. another engine. It may. You may put in an engine and a transmission, but guess what? You're going to do that on those 100,000-mile cars also. The other thing I worry about is is not just the engine and transmission, because probably most engines and transmissions today can last 200,000 miles. Depending. You know, a Chevrolet uh, transmission is not going to last that long. We right. know that. But, um, you know, a Honda engine is going to last that long. You know, uh, a Toyota engine is going to last that long. Probably transmissions that hook to both of those. And you got to worry about wear items, you know. Next thing you know, you got all these body pieces that are uh, that are broken. And you got struts that are just worn completely out. you got yeah. ball joints. you got all these other things that really cost money, too, that you don't think about. I don't know. I don't know that right yeah. answer. I've, I've done the model you were talking about before, and that's kind of where we ended up getting. Why not? I mean, I'm going to get a handful of high mileage cars, mm -hmm. and we'll see what happens. And I'll static pull those. Sure. Uh, you've got to sell it to the customer. You've yeah. got to, I think you've got to shorten the term a little bit. But I think they're okay with it because they're like, hey, I'm getting a new body style. And I say, hey, I'm giving you a warranty, and mm -hmm. you just bought an upgraded service contract. So when that engine goes out at 300,000 miles, we're going to get you another one. Well, in fact, it's probably the second engine in that car anyway. So it probably really doesn't have 300,000 miles on that engine. Well, let's make sure that, that the warranty we're selling our customers or the service contract we're selling our customers uh, is okay to have those many miles on there. Yeah. So well, just, if it's ours. If it's ours, it should be fine. Of course, it's your Buckeye. Yeah. So so make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because I believe uh, you know, that could get you in trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear I, you. There's, we'll try it out. You know, the one thing that was said so many times... In, in every 20 group we've ever been to, there's no one way to do this business. Yeah. And if you don't try things, if you don't listen to other dealers, you're going to keep doing the same thing you're doing and never experience the other way to make some money. Yeah. In this and that reminds me of another thing the guys from Agora came and presented to us. And he said something interesting. He said, what's your moat? <laughs> you know, what's your moat? What moat do you have around your dealership? What and do you for some people, castle? Yeah. that could be it. It could be that, hey, man, my moat is I'm going to get you the newest body style and you're going to look like you're balling in a 2018, but your friends don't got to know that it's got 250,000 miles on it. It just looks like a 2018 you know, Chrysler 300 or Charger yeah. and you're rolling and that's fine because I'm getting the eyeballs in for those people that don't care that it's got some mileage on the odometer. Whereas Luke's moat might be, hey, you know, I'm selling you a car and it's going to be it's gonna last. mint. Yeah, it's going to last. Every yeah. body panel, every every seat, this is something you're going to hold on to like your wallet. Maybe that's your moat. That might um, be my moat, but we do have to protect our dealerships because there are companies, large companies full of cash out there mm -hmm. looking to put us out of business. Um, Carvana, Vroom, CarMax, these are publicly funded companies and J.D. Yeah. Bauer right to, the, to that point. They got a lot of money. They got a lot of money, y'all, and you got to distinguish yourself. And if it's your customer service, if it's your ease of approval, Whatever it is, make sure yeah. you write down what your moat is and really concentrate on it. Don't don't jump the moat. Yeah. You know, if you gotta let if you gotta do something, let down the drawbridge so you can you can walk across it instead of yeah. instead of starting I to also think there. too, like 
put yourself out of business before someone else does. Oh yeah. You know, we talked about this through COVID a lot is put yourself out of business. So, so again, don't be so scared that you think you have this moat and you can't change it. You can redesign that thing at any time. So don't get so entrenched in your way that, oh, I can't remote deliver. Oh, I can't switch my CRM or, oh, I can't switch my DMS or I don't want to go to a different, you know, uh, leads company or I don't want to fire all my sales staff and start over. Don't get so worried. You know, it's like, no, you got to continually be reinventing yourself. This is not a set it and forget it business. And if COVID has taught us anything, is that. Yeah. You got to be nimble. You got to be quick. Sure. And, and I get so go. scared about like, well, I'm just barely figuring out this CRM. Why would I switch to another one? It's like, well, it might because be reason. it's not servicing you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you just keep, you're just going to keep trying to push this boulder up a hill forever. Like maybe, you, maybe you're on the wrong hill, you know? Yeah. Or the boulder's too big. Or the boulder's too big. Yeah. yeah. And that happens. And so you just make sure. Whatever you're doing, track it, yeah. as we talked about before. Track it, experiment with it, train, 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 yeah. Jeff. Yeah, that was another big thing that hit me today is training, role-playing with all your salesmen, with all your your porters, your detailers, your mechanics, your collection staff. Everybody has got to be trained. And again, it comes down to us working in the business and not on the business. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of us have been, we're so involved mm-hmm. and as entrepreneurs, you know, a lot of times we are so involved in our business. We do have to be the trainer. Um, we've got to go out there and train our, uh, our head tech to do the checklist exactly mm-hmm. how we want it. Cause we were the ones who originally yeah. built that checklist. And then guess what? Three weeks later, we got to go train them again. Again, you probably should train you know? them every week. Hey, why did, why did all of a sudden our recon last week eight hundred dollars yeah. and this week it's thirteen hundred dollars? Well, somebody yeah. else is doing a checklist. That's because we're putting brakes on everything. Well, what are we doing? Why are we doing brakes on everything? Yeah, you know? did, did, didn't you know you have a measurement to do every brake brake pad? Yeah. Oh, I'm supposed to measure. I just can't eyeball it. Yeah. Oh, I just wanted to pad my repair order. Yeah. Um, and so the same thing with your salesman, right? We're we're training them constantly because bad habits creep into people's yeah dialogue, right? Bad habits. Uh, mood, laziness, <laughs> mood, yeah, freaking uh, family problems, uh, money problems. All this creeps into everybody. Yeah, or and they use one line and it lands one time. And say, oh, that's the that's my new line. I'm going to start saying it. Or they ask one customer if they had any money, and they said, well, not, I, I've got three hundred dollars down. And they broom them, and they go down the street and put three thousand dollars down. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it's everybody has to be asked the same thing exactly the same all the time and you should be working that process you should have that process written down and you should be training on your on your salespeople every week yeah so I really think there's a there's a proportionate amount of working on your business right so we come to 20 group and I spend a day and a half learning about the business and getting ideas and getting things and I go back really fired up right tomorrow yeah. morning my staff's gonna hate me because I'm gonna <laughs> come in with a million ideas and I'm gonna shotgun all of them and by 12 o'clock I'm going to be back to answering the phones and opening the mail and I'm going to be out moving cars around on the locks. I don't like the way it's over. I'm going to get back into the mundane. It's very, very hard to stay high level and stay working on the business when you're at the business. And I feel like there should be like a one-to-one ratio. Like if I'm away yeah. for training for a day and a half, I should have another day and a half where I either don't go to the car lot or I Shut lock myself in my yeah. office. Yeah. And I work on the business instead of getting sucked into the day to day. Yeah, and it's right hard. It's hard, and you probably have to not go to to the dealership to get that done properly. Um, but it's all you got to find. I was reading this book um, a couple of books ago, and it was talking about find the best time you're pr- productive, right? Mm-hmm. 
and everybody wake, everybody wakes up and has a different part of their day. Your best productivity may be first thing in the morning when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might should do what you're talking about from 7 a.m. to 11 a.m. Yeah. But then at 11, you could go out and work in the lot. Yeah. Because your brain doesn't have to function as highly during that time where you're moving cars around yeah. doing something like that. So you can kind of turn your brain off, just do it, right? Yeah. Then you know that after lunch, you have a time where you can really focus again. So then maybe you get back on it. Yeah. So make sure you know when you're most productive. Mm-hmm. And when you're most productive, do the work on your business. The most important work during the most productive time. That's right. right? Yep. Yeah, I think we, we definitely, sometimes we can get that backwards because we show up at the car lot. And we got to put out fires. And, and we, we're answering <laughs> emails and we're putting out fires and yeah. we're getting so sucked into that thing where it's like, if I, I do know that if I show up a couple hours early at the car lot in those first two to three hours, I'm not distracted. I can really knock out like high level stuff and be yeah. super productive. Yep. But yes, after lunch, I'm so lethargic that I'm not, I got to get up and go. I got to do manual labor. Yep. I got to do manual things because my brain is like not super motivated to do it. So I got to stand up and get moving and going. Yep. And yeah, it makes a huge difference based on the time of day. But also when we talk about training and things like that, uh, the Buy Here, Pay Here United Summit is coming, Las Vegas yep. in April. Bellagio. Bellagio. A lot of fun. Yeah, should be a great one. Another great opportunity for dealers to get out, learn about how to work on their business, right? Again, this is dealers helping dealers. Mm-hmm. This is a dealer panel put together to design the curriculum. I promise you, you'll get a lot out of this. Yeah, We're gonna be there. I'm yeah. doing some training. We'll be doing the podcast. You need to be there. I think it's April 9th, 10th through the 11th, something yeah. to that effect. At the Bellagio, visit buyherepayhereunited.com. Get registered. It's actually a super cheap way to go. I mean, yeah, the rooms are great price-wise. Yeah. April's great in Vegas. And uh, there's going to be a lot of dealers that are like-minded. So, yes, if you are in Buy Here, Pay Here, this is the one you come to. Yep. You won't get anything else other than just very specific advice. The agenda looks amazing. Looks amazing. No, no vendor selling you anything. Yeah. Just the topics of yeah. the breakout sessions are like, yes, that was obviously put together by a dealer. I'm going to teach you how to get more down. Yeah. Luke's going to do it. I don't know how, but he's going to figure it out. It's all about asking, Jeff. Yeah. Any other takeaways from this week, Luke, that you want to share with everybody? Well, you know, pay plans are always such a huge topic, no matter if it's on the Facebook uh, forum or if it's us talking or Mm -hmm. dealers who have every pay plan on the planet. It's always something's broke with your pay plan. Yeah. Continual moving target. Continual. And it's what motivates people. It's really, when you talk about pay plans, Really and truly, it's about how can I motivate my people to do what they're supposed to do. Okay. And another book I've been reading, Drive, I'm going to try to get this guy on, on the podcast. Good luck. Super, super intelligent dude. But it's about what drives people. Is yeah. it an intrinsic motivation, which is inside you, or an extrinsic, which is money okay. in most parts? Um, Recognition, fame. Rec- that's right. Those types of things. Okay. The reason we do the podcast is yeah, ex- yeah. extrinsic, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know, I don't know why. Anyway, so... You know, there's a, a new movement going on that he deems Motivation 3.0. Mm. And it's millennials and it's uh, Gen Zs and all this that it's it's possible that money doesn't motivate these people. Now, Gen X is like us. We don't understand that, right? Mm. We think that money motivates everything. It's a carrot sitting out there or the boss with the stick saying, you got to do your job. Or if you do X, you will be rewarded with Y. Mm. But the theory is that Daniel Pink talks about is the theory is actually 
the thing that motivates us is inside us. Hmm. And so one of the quotes he's, he has in there is talking about if your original salary to a person is fair and appropriate for the position they're doing, they will do the work you ask them to do. Hmm. And so I decided to blow up all my pay plans mm. and actually get rid of them. Okay, okay. Interesting. I don't want to have to sit there for five or six hours the last day of the month or the first day of the month figuring out everybody's bonus and compensation. Hmm. It is a time suck for me. Okay. And I believe if if you had a good month and for some reason your recency is 88% instead of 90%, so your collector doesn't get you know, does it get that $500 bonus? Well, you just demo, you just demotivated. Hmm. Interesting. When you have to go, hey, you had a great month collecting, but you didn't hit this number, so you're going to get half of your bonus. So then they go, well, I don't want to do that anymore. Hmm. You know, they stop chasing goals. And so if we just have a scoreboard that's sent out every morning okay. that says this is where we got to get to, and this is what your pay is going to be, mm-hmm. period. Okay. So that's what I'm planning to go to. No pay plans. You get a flat salary, and these are the goals we have to hit. Interesting. And then, of course, I, I imagine my brain goes a different million different directions with that. But with a flat salary, you've got X amount of paid time off or days you yeah. have to be there. Sure. I don't really understand how salary works. My brain doesn't wrap my head around that because mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what, what's going to keep them from coming in? What's going to keep them from actually working when they are in? If they're just on a salary, it's like everyone's just going to sit around and stare at each other and chit-chat. Well, that may happen. But yeah. they may chit-chat for an hour a day, but they may be working for seven hours a day. Hmm. And in that seven hours, they get all their work done. So who cares if they're sitting around chatting for right. an hour? So you just, it's just more babysitting on your end to make sure the work's done and make sure that people are meeting those minimum Either requirements to keep their job. With commissions, you still have to make sure people are doing their work. You right, still but have it's very to, evident in their paycheck. It might be. Or one month, that somebody, one month we had a great sales promotion. The, the, the salesman didn't work any harder except for signing up deals. Right. And he made, you know, way more five thousand more dollars than he sure. did on a, a month where he worked his butt yeah. off. Same with tax time, right? Same with I mean tax you're working time. your butt off, but the sales are definitely yeah. kind of flowing because of the season, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. It hmm. it may not work. It may be a total bust, but I'm gonna try it. Yeah. Might as well. I mean I guess it would come to me is that salary has got to be high enough that they know there's a high yeah. standard and I think about that with some of the managers I've hired, like pay them really well and then just hold them to a very high standard because they know that, yeah. hey, this guy can find a bunch of people to do this job for this same amount. I'm not doing him any favors by being here. Mm-hmm. This is actually a great situation for me. I don't want to lose it. So I got to perform to this level. I think a wise guy told me one day, he said, hey, Luke, why don't you just pay him more money? <laughs> you you me, got the money. Yeah, didn't you just pay him that? more. Yeah. Just, pay, just pay him more. You know. <laughs> If you want the right person to do the right job, you may have to pay more to get that person than what you're currently paying. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the things you're complaining about today at someone For making sure. 40 grand a year, you may not have to complain about that with someone making 60,000. I, I, I make that. Uh, we talked about that a lot this weekend of like, hey, you know, you put your ad out there for $15 an hour and you're getting whoever. $15 You're getting the riffraff. Yeah. That's just minimum wage at the fast food joints. But guess what? If you put it out there at 20, you're going to get a much higher quality applicant for a tiny, tiny, I mean, it's only a 25% increase. And guess what? You're getting probably 100% more productivity than you would from that $15 an hour guy. So you definitely have to be careful that there's there's an exponential payoff to having a slightly higher wage that will get you the right person that's more motivated, more educated. I could have two guys at $15 an hour. I'm effectively paying $30 an hour. 
the for one person at 20. Just think about 25. this. Think about this with technicians. And technicians have been everybody's, you know, thought process this year. Mm-hmm. Is it worth more to pay someone $35 an hour that knows what they're doing, who doesn't misdiagnose, mm-hmm. and gets the job done the yeah. first time, or paying two people $25 an hour or whatever that misdiagnoses, hangs their own parts, mm-hmm. customers are complaining all the time. I mean, I know I want to pay $35 an hour and get it done right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely makes sense. So, Luke, this has been a great couple of days. I've, I've really learned a lot. I got a whole page of notes to take home. And, and again, yeah. I mean, I just, we cannot stress the importance enough about being in a peer group and whether that's an NI8820 group or a Buckeye or any of these 20 of MCM with Brett. I mean, there's a lot of great opportunities out there to get educated and learn to how to work on your business. Learning from peers. From other dealers, yeah. from people who've done it before, will get you a long way in this industry. Yeah, yeah. People have been there. Don't make the same mistakes. Yeah, because I've made them. Yeah, yeah. Come talk to Luke. <laughs> He's made them all. He'll tell you what not to do. <laughs> well, I, I just uh, thanks everybody out there for uh, leaving us reviews. We've done a couple of uh, a couple of those little consultings. Yeah, yeah great, great conversations yeah. with dealers out there. We have a lot of fun. So we, we appreciate your reviews. We appreciate you sharing this with dealer friends because this is, uh, you know, it's about dealers helping dealers. Dealers helping dealers. Dealers Helping Dealers. Please leave us a review and subscribe. The Independent Dealer Podcast.